We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's good, everybody? Before we get into today's episode about the AFC West with my guy Kenny King Jr. from the Real Talk podcast, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Christopher Velasquez, Daniel Gibson, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Corey Johnson Hoops, Ryan Pisner, and Steven Briggs, and a new yearly pledge from Tony Van Loon. Patreon rundown real quick. We have a one, five, 10, 20, and $40 tier. You could save up to 15% off your annual membership, two months free. And if you pledge to the five, 10, 20, or $40 tier for the whole year, go to patreon.com slash veterans minimum. You'll see the bonus and merch bundles that you will earn. And if you enter the super max, even if it's just for a month, you'll get a free merch item. With that said, we are doing a NFL Pick'em contest. Once again, we've been doing it for many years now. And this year, it's going to be a little bit different. We're doing a survivor contest. Survivor, basically, you pick one team a week. They need to just win to advance. And then you can't pick said team again later on in the year. So you need to be in the $20 tier or higher for the month of August and September. Those are the names that I mentioned. I'll be in contact with you to get you into this pool closing is september 8th before the thursday night football game between the cowboys and the bucks which is going to be the season opener if you want to just join and play you can this is open to anybody the link to this is going to be in the description of the podcast so anybody could join and play but for you to be eligible for the grand prize which is 500 bucks and three merch items you need to have paid for the contest in order to be eligible for these prizes. So check out pay, check out patreon.com slash veterans minimum. And yeah, the episode for Thursday is already up. The NFL awards, Impy Allen and Dunbar and I, we break down all the NFL awards, what we're going to bet on, what we think is going to happen. That's up on Patreon as well. So sit back, relax. Shout out to my guy, Kenny, once again, show him love. Tell them that you're a legend from VM, and we'll catch you guys next time. I'm working hard for respect in my city. I'm working hard for respect. Yeah. You think you got it? I got it for real. You think you got what I got? Uh, this one. 
for those they forget in my city. That's how I do my audio alignment. You know what I'm saying, Kenny? Oh yeah, I saw I saw that on on your pod, and I was like, I was like, that's a great idea. Like I started doing it after that. I was like, I never thought about that, bro. So I usually have actually right now the camera that I'm looking at. So if you guys are gonna watch this on YouTube, shouts to all of you joining us. Uh, I also just press record and then I start going, Kenny. Also, so I'll get to the intro in a sec. But the I got two cameras. I got my iPhone and then I got a regular like Canon camera, and then I use the audio from the mics and all that. So the clap is the spike in the audio, mute the camera audio, use this audio. I've said audio about 12 times within the last 30 seconds. I hope I didn't lose you. You're like Drew Pearson talking about Roger Staubach in his Hall of Fame speech. <laughs> he dropped Roger Staubach at least 52 times. My guy, Kenny King in the building. First of all. Thank you for joining us. It's the first time that I've had you on VM. We've interacted a bunch on social media. Always showing love. Big Raider fan. Have you noticed the colors that I'm repping right now? I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Going with, going with black and white, keeping it neutral, you know, matching me a little bit. I, I really appreciate that. I feel the love. Listen. I'm surprised you didn't go with the Real Talk shirt. Wow. You know what? I wore that to jujitsu the other day. And I haven't done my laundry because I'm living on my own and mom Dukes don't take care of me like she used to. <laughs> it's a little, it hits different when you, uh, when you're on your own, man, try taking care of kids. Then, then it hits even more like I got, I got my kids changing like four different outfits a day. So I trust me. You just came back from hall of fame weekend, super dope picture with Charles Woodson you were going to tell me a little bit about it, but I was like, yo, we got to save it for the pod, man. How was, have you been to the Hall of Fame before? Never, never, never been. Um, and this was a perfect opportunity to go because, you know, my pops played for Tom Flores. Shout out pops right here. This is uh, the 1983 team headed into L.A. to beat the Washington, then Washington Redskins, now Washington football team. Um, but, yeah, we went, uh, we went to go celebrate coach and also Charles. Charles was, you know, probably top three one of my favorite players of all time um definitely one of my favorite raiders um and so you know we got to go to flores's party got to go to woodson's party we got invites to those um and man woodson is a class act hall of famer on the field off the field uh i can't say enough good things about the guy like I always, you know, we we interact on social media a lot. Uh, we follow each other and, and we, you know, we talk on social media. But um, the the reception that I got from him at the event was something that I would have never expected because I walked up. I was like, Charles. And he goes, Kenny, what's up, my dude? And like pulls me and gives me a hug. He's like, it's great to finally meet you in person. I'm like, dog, like. Your Charles Woodson. This is your event, like you know. And so the fact that like he recognized me, that he was you know so welcoming, uh, that was just huge to me. So it was it was a really really dope event. Um, they had Woodson whiskey flowing. They had intercept wines. Um, he had this like cigar bar set out where they had like eight different kinds of cigars, and the guy was pairing the cigars with the whiskey. He was like, oh no, try this, try this. And I mean, just in Hall of Famers coming in left and right. Ray Lewis was there, Ty Law, uh, Marshall Falk, Warren Sapp. Uh, don't worry, Raider Nation. I gave Warren Sapp the evil eye for y'all. But uh, yeah, man, it was dope. It was really dope. 
Dude, I don't know if I've told you this, but I, I've had Raider Cody on my show before. And I know you guys do some content together. You guys do a lot of shows together. My uncle is a massive, I mean, massive Raider fan. Like, yeah, man. I used to have a Rich Gannon jersey when I was growing up. And then recently, uh, McLean, the Bama linebacker. Oh, man. Infamous <laughs> mugshot McLean. So uh, I can't get right. It's weird because I kind of have a soft spot for the Raiders, the Bills, because I went to school in Buffalo for two years and the powder blue Chargers, man, growing up them i know i know it hurts bro i know it hurts but that powder blue lt probably my favorite running back of all time so it was tough it was tough lt's a beast man you know if lt was on any other team i would love the guy he's lt's like that guy where you got to give him his respect you got to give him his props and there's a lot of charges that i got tons of respect for you obviously i had sean merriman on my show um he trolls the raiders a lot and I, I like the interaction. It's fun. You know, the, the Raiders Charger banner is, is fun. Um, and I know that he trolls Raider fans because they don't have fans of their own. So they got to, like, go to somebody else and talk to that fan base. But, you know, it's it's I, I, I have a soft spot for one team, one team only. Um, so the Philadelphia Eagles. And that's actually because I went to school in Philly. And so um, all my fraternity brothers, they're all Eagles fans. I went to... Um, I went to an Eagles game on Thanksgiving when they played the Packers and we like deep fried a turkey in the parking lot. And I was like, man, these fans are as crazy as we are. I I, I can get with these guys. So, uh, but when we play them, I, I can't stand them. All right. So the podcast is over because he roots for the Eagles. <laughs> oh, God, here with that, man. <laughs> yeah, it's the one team. It's the one team. I know I wanted to piss you off, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Giants fan, bro, my generation, like I'm I just turned 30 back in March. If you're under 30 or like even like 33, 34, that's the team as a Giants fan that pains you. They've done the most damage. They've they were good, right? Like growing up, when I first got into football, they're going to those NFC title games year in, year out. McNabb is there. Brian Westbrook, all those guys, and then you get that that second air of the Mike Vick, the Deshaun Jackson punt, like that that fucking guy, Deshaun Jackson, just has a whole career highlight tape just off the Giants, just burning the DBs. Man, I uh, I got you on because I want to talk about the AFC West. To me, this year this division is fascinating, and your team is one of the teams. That I'm very intrigued by for many reasons. But just as a whole, dude, how do you feel about the AFC West? Because we know about the Chiefs, class at AFC the last three years, three straight AFC title games, back-to-back Super Bowl appearances. And then you have teams that are just very interesting. Uh, a lot of talent. I remember I asked Cody this, and he went on like a 20-minute rant on his pod. Uh, I was like, yo, why isn't Oakland better? Because Oakland has a lot of guys on offense, especially, that I like. I love Hunter Renfro from his Clemson days because I bet them to win the national title that year. And uh, him and Watson forever have a soft spot in my heart. But Edwards is dope. Ruggs, a top pick. Uh, I've always been a car truther. I always feel like he gets slandered way too much. And... 
you know, uh, Jacobs is dope too. But like, why why hasn't the Vegas Raiders been better the last couple of years? What would you say? Let's start off with that. Yeah, it's a common it's a combination of a couple of things, right? The I think the first thing uh, is the second half fall off. For the past two years, the Raiders have started out really hot, six and three, six and four, and then they just fall off in the second half of the season. Uh, the defense historically has been atrocious. I mean, the defense has been piss poor, uh, one of the shittiest defenses I've ever seen with the Raiders, especially. Uh, but what I think the biggest thing, too, is, you know, the Raiders put up a lot of points and the Raiders were the only team in the NFL to score or to average 27 points a game and not make the playoffs. I mean, so that tells you that the defense has been really, really bad. But at the same time, the offense where the offense has issues is that the offense wasn't able to get it done in the red zone a lot of times that falls under John Gruden. John Gruden's play calling in the offense has been a little bit, or especially in the red zone has been a little bit too predictable. Uh, it's been too conservative uh, and he's not, he wasn't able to, to make a lot of things happen. Uh, the running game suffered because, you know, Rodney Hudson was one of the greatest is still one of the greatest centers in the league, but he lost a few steps. Gabe Jackson lost a few steps. Richie Incognito was out. Denzel Good comes in. Trent Brown was eating marshmallows somewhere on the sidelines. And so there were so many things that were going on with the offensive line that the Raiders had to make a change. The run game suffered from it. So we saw Josh Jacobs production go down and he played in more games last year. So I think that that's one of the things, but also the red zone. You get Jason Witten in there. You're throwing a screen at Jason Witten in the red zone when you've got Foster Moreau sitting on the sidelines. Those are big things right there. I think that the Raiders have the potential, um, and I'm excited about what they're doing this year with, with Gus Bradley, but I know we, we'll get into that a little bit later. Power rank from the most hate to the least hate, the three teams in the division that you have. Most hate would be... Chiefs, Broncos, and then Chargers. I would say in Chiefs and Broncos, it's it's pretty neck and neck. Uh, Chiefs fans have Chiefs have gone to that first spot recently and like kind of solidified that. Um, just because you know when you start when you get a team that starts winning that hasn't won in a you know in fifty years, they get obnoxious. And I mean, you can tell you know you know as a Giants fan when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they were the most obnoxious fans that you've ever seen. And so when the chiefs won, they became more and more obnoxious and they get on Twitter and they, you know, they're, they're fun to go back and forth with. Um, but I would say that in terms of power rankings for, for the most hated team, it would definitely be chiefs and then the donkeys and then the deadbolts. <laughs> Yo, for me, it would be Eagles, Cowboys, and Washington, uh, Washington. I know Eli, Eli's best record was, they were like, 22 and six against Washington in his career, something egregious, like in, in a good way. Uh, Philly, it just always seemed like anytime the Giants would go into Philly, bro, and Philly would be maybe six and eight, and the Giants are fighting, and then before you know it, it's 41 10. Victor Cruz famously got hurt there, and then that announcer for the Eagles tweeted out, like, oh, he won't be dancing anymore, and you know, they got him pulled off the air for his comments. Like, Eagles fans are rough for sure, and the Cowboys. The Cowboys, it's always been it's weird because the whole America's team thing, like there's a lot, a lot of Cowboy fans in New York City. Like a like a huge crowd. And my friend group, if there's fifteen of us, like four of them are Cowboy fans. It's as if they're Jets and Giants fans too. It's such a weird such a weird dynamic. But how do you feel about this division this year, man? Just as a whole. Like what 
you have high expectations? Do you think the whole division is going to be good? I mean, you're not going to be the NFC East, but like, where would you where would you put it as far as intrigue? This divi- I mean, this division's really interesting because you've got the Chiefs who are coming off back to back Super Bowls. Um, they didn't have a whole lot of change except on the offensive line. They got better on the offensive line. Uh, they saw what happened to Mahomes in the Super Bowl. They got better there. Um, you look at the Chargers. They've got a great young quarterback in Justin Herbert, and you know they've got a solid defense when healthy. Uh, they've also got solid receivers. They got you know a pretty good offense, but they have a new coach. So to see see how they're going to put that together, um, and then you have the Broncos, who really they're only a quarterback away from being a good team. You know the Broncos have a solid defense. They've got pieces on offense, um, and so this de- the the thing with the AFC West is the AFC West is. NFL is more interesting when the AFC West is good. And historically, the AFC West is one of the most powerful divisions in football. You've got the Broncos, you've got the Raiders, you've got the Chargers, you've got the Chiefs. All these teams have multiple Super Bowls. All these teams have multiple championships, except for the Chargers. When we look at these teams, these are all teams that could be a playoff team, aside from the Broncos. I don't think the Broncos are anywhere close to that right now. Teddy's not going to take him anywhere. Drew Locke's definitely not going to take him there. But if they get a quarterback, you got to look out. If they make a trade for a quarterback, you got to look out. They, they can make some noise. But I think the Chargers are going to be a team that they could compete for a playoff spot if they don't shoot themselves in the foot. The Raiders are a team that, that should be competing for a playoff spot if they don't shoot themselves in the foot. And the Chiefs are a team that's favored to win the division. Now, I know that we've gone back and forth on this a little bit. I think the Raiders can actually challenge the Chiefs to win the division. We almost beat them twice last year. We almost had a season sweep. Boneheaded mistake by Jonathan Abram letting Travis Kelsey get open in the end zone, uh, which led them to to win that second game in in Las Vegas. Uh, But I think that there is an opportunity for the Raiders to challenge the Chiefs for the division this year. And the Raiders are going to make a lot of noise. I think the Raiders are going to shock a lot of teams. They're flying under the radar. There's people that are kind of counting them out saying, oh, the Raiders are going to go seven and 10. The Raiders are, are going to go eight and nine. They're going to have this. They're going to have a losing season. They're not going to be good. They're ranked 25th in the power rankings. Uh, you know, the, they've overhauled the the offensive line. There's so many questions surrounding that. I think the Raiders are coming out to make some noise this year. So it's going to be interesting to see how the AFC West plays out. As a Raider fan, are you more optimistic when expectations are low with them? Like, are the Raiders a team that when people are expecting good, it's bad? And then when they're sort of like what you're saying, flying under the radar, because that's how it is with me with the Giants. You go back to the Giants years where they were good. It's like, where the hell did they come from? Right. And then the years where you're like, oh, shit, they might actually win a Super Bowl is when shit hits the fan. Plaxico shoots himself in the leg to this day, bro, uh, on the football gods. I was never more confident that the, my team was going to win a championship than the year after they beat the Pats the first time. All right, they come out the gates, they're like 11 and 1. They had beaten the Cardinals that year and the Steelers, which ended up being the Super Bowl, and I'm like, "Yo, they're going back to back. Like they're a juggernaut." And then from Plax, they go 1 and 4 to end the year. Uh aforementioned Eagles coming off the bye go into to MetLife might have been MetLife. It might have been Giant Stadium at the time. But regardless, and just shut down. Just complete just abomination. Bro, that was me. That was me in 2016. Because mm. the Raiders the Raiders were coming out. They weren't expected to be anything. Derek Carr is having this MVP caliber season. And then, you know, we're up. We're up two scores on the Colts on Christmas Eve. 
should have pulled Carr in the fourth. Del Rio decides to keep him in. Donald Penn misses his first block, gives up his first sack of the season. Carr breaks his leg. Next week, McGloin goes in. He gets hurt against Denver, and then we start Connor Cook against the Houston Texans in the playoffs. And so that was that was the year that I was like, the Raiders could actually win this shit. Like the Raiders could win the whole the whole damn dance. Um, but I prefer I prefer the the Raiders to be slept on. I prefer the media to to sleep on the Raiders, to hate on the Raiders, to say that we're not going to be good, to say that we're going to have a losing season, to to question, you know, is Derek Carr the guy? Question is John Gruden the guy? Because I feel like when they start talking about them and they start talking about how they're getting good and how they're heating up as they do every season, that's when they fall off. These guys get cocky. They're, you know, it's a young team. A lot of the guys are third year guys. And so they get cocky, they get fired up. And that's when shit starts to happen. That's when the shit hits a fan and, and they start losing, they lose, they have six turnovers to the Falcons. And so those are the things that I look at where I'm like, look, I would much rather y'all just say, look, the Raiders are going to fucking suck. <laughs> like these guys are going to suck. And then the Raiders just come out and shock the world. And if they win a Super Bowl, then they win a Super Bowl and everybody rejoices. But if you say they suck and, and they suck, then it's like, oh, that's what we expected. But I'm always cautiously optimistic. I was going to go into the season saying this is going to be a good team. This is our year. I think that is any fan like I mean, it's short for fanatic, right? We're 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 insane. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't. We don't go into game saying shit. We're gonna get our asses kicked. Like, do you think the zero and sixteen Lions fans expected them to go zero and sixteen? And like, do you think that they went to game saying, "Hey, I'm gonna go root for this this zero and fourteen team in hopes that they lose today"? Nobody says that shit. So you know, we want to see our team win. We want to see our teams win Super Bowls, raise raise banners, hoist trophies. So we're not. Yeah, so I'm, but I, I think that I would prefer them. To, I would I would prefer to be hated. We have a we have a slogan. It's called proudly hated, and I mean that's what we are proudly hated. Yeah, very very fanatic fan base, very passionate. I mean, when you when you think of the Raiders, you think of the the iconic colors, right? The black and silver, and silver and black. I apologize. I should know this too. And also, you just think of the outrageous costumes that they have. And I remember, I remember years past, like my buddy's, my buddy Danny, he does some shows with me, and he's a big Steeler fan. And like there, there was like a stretch where the Raiders would go like four and twelve, but they beat Pittsburgh, who's like fighting for a bye week, right? Like just because when you go into Oakland at the time, it was a tough place to play, you know, and, and it would throw them off with the field, right? You would share the same field with the Athletics. So it was like that, that those patches of the, the dirt. So, all right, man, we could go on and on, but I want to dive into this division. I want you to start us off. The, the way I do the division previews is addition, subtraction, storyline, and players to watch, overarching for the whole division. What do you think is the biggest addition in the AFC West? The biggest addition in the AFC West, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to have to say Teddy Bridgewater. And here's okay. why. Here's why. Because you have, you've got a team with a, with the Denver Broncos that doesn't, that need a quarterback. And you have a team in the Denver Broncos that are a quarterback away. And everybody had been mocking Aaron Rodgers, um, Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson. All these guys were projected to be traded to the Denver Broncos. And then the Broncos go out and get Teddy Bridgewater. I think that this is the biggest addition because it's going to 
creating opportunities for the other teams in the AFC West to solidify their chances at getting some more wins. I think that, you know, you got a guy like Teddy Bridgewater. I'm not sold on him. I, I never was sold on him. I think that he's had, you know, a ton of bad luck. I think that he's had a little bit of success here and there, but he's not a guy that I think they can get it together. And I know that Drew Locke is not their guy. He's not the guy that they want. That's why they brought in Bridgewater to compete. Uh, but I think that the bringing him in is the biggest thing to this division because you can look at it and say, well, the Raiders should win this game, regardless of who's at quarterback. You know, if you go in and you say, we're facing Teddy Bridgewater, we're facing Drew Locke, you should win this game. If the Chiefs are playing this, that's a game where it's like, you should circle that on the calendar and say, this should be a win. The Chargers should do the same. So this is a team that I could see getting swept in the division. Hmm. I like how you put that. The, the, your biggest addition is not so much a positive for the team that got the addition in Denver, but more so for the rest of the division because you're right, man. They're, they're fascinating, Denver. I want to save it for my storyline because it definitely has something to do with them. But for me, the addition is Lindsley, the center for the Chargers. Not only is he the highest paid center in football when they brought him over from Green Bay, but I'm a fan of a young center, uh, sorry, a young quarterback having good chemistry with his center. Allows him to control the offensive line, audible, help him out at the line of scrimmage. I mean, if you've been following me on social media, you know my love for Justin Herbert. Should have been the Giants quarterback, Kenny. Should have been. You know that story, right? The background with him? No, what happened? So the year the Giants... So, so somewhat, somewhat. So the year the Giants had the 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 top six pick, the Daniel Jones season, he was eligible to come out. Went back to Oregon to play with his brother. Oh yeah, that's right. And the Giants were sending people to Eugene from like the preseason. And I was doing the suck for the duck, and he wore number ten, which is my favorite number. So Justin Herbert, if you're watching this. You owe me an MVP trophy. You got to do this for me this year. But going back to Lindsley, right? Come on, man. I'm financially invested. You want me to start sending Venmo requests to bail me out? You got to root for me on this one. <laughs> he could win MVP as long as we win the Super Bowl. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. Hey, listen. He wins MVP. I'll be, I don't care who wins. The Eagles can win the Super Bowl. Actually, I don't want to get that crazy. Let's not get that crazy. But, yo, going back to Lindsay, right, uh, the, the addition of him and the rest of the moves that they made on that offensive line, for Herbert to take that next step, being your franchise guy, you saw a similar situation. No, Matt Ryan was in the league for a long time. He wasn't so much a young quarterback, but when they brought in Alex Mack, what that did for that offensive line to my buddy Allen, who I do this show with, the NFL shows, he's a big Falcon fan. And from then, really engraved that in my mind as far as that being so key, right, like the center. And I just think it's it, it was my favorite addition in the entire AFC West, bringing him in from Green Bay and strengthening that offensive line for a young quarterback. Well, shit, I mean, look what Rodney Hudson did for Derek Carr in the offensive line. I mean, that, they took it from – one of the worst offensive lines in the league to one of the best offensive lines in the league. Uh, and and Rod, Rodney was basically Derek's eyes and ears out there for, for a number of years. Uh, I think that that was the biggest steal of a free agency, probably Reggie McKenzie's best free agency move. Um, and so no, I know I, I would second that. I think that's a solid, solid move there. I want to, I want to pivot off what you're saying about Hudson, man, because my subtraction is the Raiders who, 
lost three of five offensive linemen from last year. And the one that they kept is Incognito, who's that's a that's a podcast we could dedicate for a whole nother time. And this dude is coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah. So you're looking at a completely new offensive line, just a lot of question marks. And Hudson, correct me if I'm wrong, I remember reading a report, or it might have been one of your tweets actually, too, about how was he let go because of money or was he let go because he's not that good anymore? It was it was money. So with the salary cap and the way that the salary cap reduced, they had the Raiders organization had started looking at ways that they could cut costs. And the Raiders had at the time the highest paid offensive line in the National Football League. And so what they did is instead of, you know, looking to cut other players, they go to. Rodney Hudson, they go to Gabe Jackson, they go to Trent Brown and say, hey, you know, salary cap is is reduced. Um, we need to restructure your contract, you know. And then, you know, Rodney and, and Gabe are like, no, release me. You know, I'm not going to take another pay cut because Rodney had taken a pay cut already. He took a pay cut last year because they did the same thing. And so it was one of those situations where they're like, I'm not going to lose any more money while I'm sitting here losing, Rodney's like, hey, man, I'm getting older. You know, I, my, my time in the league is limited. I want to win a champ. I want to win a championship. I want to get paid. I want to make sure my family's set up. And I also want to look at, you know, my longevity and where I'm going to be for the rest of, you know, for the rest of my career. Um, and so the Raiders were able to, which is crazy because I don't remember, I don't know if you remember, but during all, all the time all this was happening, reports came out that the Raiders had cut Gabe and the Raiders had cut Rodney. And the Raiders were still able to finagle a trade for both players. They traded Gabe to, to Seattle and they traded Rodney to, to Arizona. And so they were able to make that. But yeah, it was, it was all about money. I mean, with the salary cap, the way it, and then the crazy thing is the league then re, puts out the report that they've been more profitable last year than they have in the past five years. And so they didn't even have to change the salary cap, but I think, you know, um, the way that the, the way the Raiders tried to spin it was that, you know, that they had lost a step. Now, they had lost a step a little bit. I think that, you know, we, we look at it and they weren't as good in the run blocking as they were previously. But at the same time, it was about money. Man, I don't think there's anything more frustrating than when good players get released because of money. Because I feel like you should try your best to figure it out. Like I trade good players in their prime because of money like Khalil Mack. I mean, the Raiders have made a lot of bad decisions when it comes to money. I mean, dude, even the Giants, right? The Giants, they paid Odell, and then they trade him immediately to Cleveland. And I believe the first year that he was in Cleveland, the Giants paid like $22 million of his salary. I think, I think the punter cost more for the Browns' salary than what Odell did because the Giants paid most of it. So I get it. I mean, I've I've been ranting about the Giants how like since 2007 when they won that first Super Bowl, they've had two guys re-sign that were first round picks and both of them got traded. Yeah, it's it's wild. So how do you build how do you build things? You know, you you talk to two things because it's one it's it's drafting, right? Mm -hmm. Look at the guys that you're drafting. You know, if you're not re-signing your first round picks, it generally means that they're not good enough to re-sign. And then two, if you're not re-signing your first round picks that are good or you're trading your first round picks that are good, 
what the hell's going on in the organization? No foundation. Right. I know. I know. Let's get back to AFC West before I lose my mind. Uh, what would you say is... The strain. But- <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where, uh, where are you going with subtraction in, in the division? Or was it one of the guys that I mentioned? So, I mean, I think the obvious choice would be would be Rodney Hudson. Um, but I would say... I would say subtraction in the division for me, which is a key subtraction, is Paul Gunther. Mm. Raiders firing Paul Gunther is probably going to be the best thing that happened to the Raiders defense. Bring in a guy like Gus Bradley, a guy who's had a ton of success. Uh, He had a solid defense in in L.A., even with injuries. Um, He, you know, he formulated the Legion of Boom in Seattle. He had Saxonville over in Jacksonville. I mean, he had these guys flying around. He had a fast young team, good secondary, ball hawks out there, and they were flying around making plays. So the subtraction to me is Paul Gunther. We saw what Paul Gunther put on the field the the years he was in Oakland and Las Vegas. It was absolute trash. And I I stand firmly by the fact that I think that he kept on to his job for, I think, one, I think the pandemic helped him keep his job last year. I think that if there wasn't a pandemic, if there was, if they had the ability to go to camp and, and install a new playbook, I think he would have been gone, but I think the pandemic helped him last year. I think that the Raiders winning week five in Arrowhead, I think that was another thing that helped him keep his job because it was like, okay, Derek Carr's first win in Arrowhead, the Raiders, you know, beat the chiefs, the Raiders handily beat the chiefs and the defense had a pretty good showing. But I think losing him is going to be the best thing that ever happened to the Raiders defense because now these guys have a simplified defense that doesn't have 37 plays on third down. And they're going to be able to just go out there and play football and not have to be so cerebral in the game where they can actually just make plays. Yeah, keep it simple, stupid. It was something my high school coach used to always say. And I remember vividly, tie it back to the AFC West when the Broncos made the Super Bowl and the Legion of Boom, right? This is prime Legion of Boom. They were saying how we didn't do anything different. Like we were in our base defense. We didn't disguise nothing. Like this is what we're doing. This is what we're comfortable in. And this is what we're elite in. Beat us, right? We, we're showing you our hand, but we're not adjusting to what you do well. Like this is what we do well. So. And look at the great defenses of, of, historically right all the great defenses with the exception of maybe one or two have been standard based defenses where guys are just in the right position you know you have the the 01 ravens standard based defense you have the 03 buccaneers you know it was a it was a tampa two cover two defense that they ran the whole time it helped that they knew the whole playbook and they knew every audible that that rich gannon was calling but it wasn't anything crazy the only difference is the Super Bowl 50 Broncos team. They had nuances, and Wade Phillips is, is a master at mm-hmm. you know manipulation on the defense. But you know, you look at you know, you look at the Legion of Boom, you look at the Bears, the, you know, 85 Bears, standard base defense, but still one of the greatest defenses of all time. So it's not about having this big, intricate, crazy what web of defense. It's just about doing the right shit, keeping it simple, and going out there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Making plays and letting guys fly around. We touched on it before about the Bronco quarterbacks, and that's kind of my storyline because, man, a very interesting thing happened with the Broncos this offseason. A lot of rumors of Aaron Rodgers going there, right? There were about two to three weeks where Rodgers is going to Denver. That's a team. He loves the roster. And it's crazy. If you look at this roster top to bottom, Kenny, objectively too you know take away the the hater aid for the broncos i know how you get they, they got a stacked roster man and especially on offense like hamler judy i think he's gonna have a monster year Cortland sutton's there the tight end fant is there the the running backs i like the uh, williams the running back coming out the issue is the quarterback if they were to get obviously every all but three, four teams in the league, if they got Aaron Rodgers, you would say this about him. But this is a Super Bowl roster, and the only thing holding them back is the quarterback. You bring in Bridgewater. I agree with you what you were saying earlier in the pod about how we know what he is. We know what it is with him. He's limited. He's very pedestrian and solid, right? He's not elite. He's not going to throw for 450 yards. He's not going to do all that. He's not going to lose you the game, but he's also... He don't got the balls to go and wing you the game, too. That's not his style. You saw when he stepped in for Drew Brees, they really dumbed the offense down to Dick and Ducks, slants to Michael Thomas, and checkdowns to Kamara. That was the whole offense for the Saints. So for me, it's what is going to happen with this quarterback situation in Denver and what's going to go down just moving forward this year because oh, Von Miller – He's not a spring chicken anymore. He's up there in age. And you got some guys that want to win now, but they're being held back from the quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, we look at the Broncos, and they're kind of in the same position that they were when they got Peyton Manning, right? They have everything that they need. They have all the pieces except for that quarterback. I think that you plug in a quarterback, they can be a really good team, but they don't have it. I don't see them. I don't see them adding one this year. Um, I see them trying to compete. You know, I don't I don't think that any team sets out, especially with uh, with Vic Fangio. He's you know, he's sitting on the hot seat. Let's face it. He's he's facing he's facing being fired. I think he's four four losses away from losing his job. But you look at this team. Is it a team that is going to compete this year? I think they want to compete. I think they're going to try to compete, but I don't think it is a team that can compete. I think the Broncos are going to be a team that is going to have a losing record and they're going to get a quarterback through the draft. And I think that that's where they're going to add, or, you know, you look at, 
you know, you look at free agency, Aaron Rodgers doesn't have any guaranteed money on his contract next year. Um, you know, he already posted the picture of the last dance and, you know, this is probably going to be his last, his last rodeo. His girlfriend, Shailene Woodley is from Colorado. She lives out there. And so she's, I think she's a Bronco fan. So you could see it happening. I personally hope it doesn't happen, um, but I could see it happening. I can, I, I see the Broncos going after a quarterback next year. I don't see him. I don't see it happening this year. I just look, I don't see Deshaun Watson getting traded anywhere. Uh, I, I don't see Deshaun Watson playing in the league this year. I agree. You know, I don't see Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere. He's going to try to make a statement. He's going to try to go out with a bang. He's going to try to win a Super Bowl in Green Bay before he leaves. I, I don't see the Raiders trading Marcus Mariota to the Broncos because they know his value. And so I think the Broncos are going to be a team that doesn't do well this year. And I think they're going to be a team that is going to go after a quarterback and try to complete, complete that piece and, and try to add another, you know, championship to that, to their trophy. What's your biggest storyline in the division? I think my biggest storyline in the division is, is going to be the exposure of the chiefs. I think that, you know, the chiefs got exposed in, in the Super Bowl. We sh- they showed that if you attack Pat Mahomes, he's not as effective as he can be. Yo, uh, I don't know if that's fair, man. Dave's- it's fair. He, but c- let's let's be honest. They were limited on the O line. They lost all those guys, so it's easy to say that they were limited on the O line. But let's let's not act like let's not act like Mitchell Schwartz is freaking, you know, Jonathan Ogden. Let, let's not act like. Uh, what's his name? Eric Fisher is is like an all world tackle. Max Crosby and Cleveland Farrell were giving them fits week five. And so I, I think that it showed, though, that, that if you if player, if you do your job, right, that's the biggest thing, right? Do your job. You can beat him. He's beatable. Now, look, I'm. I'm not like Cody, and I'm not going to sit here and, and troll people and say that Mahomes is mediocre. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a unique take that he has for sure. <laughs> it's it works for him, but I but I will say this: I don't think that Mahomes is like out of this world as well. I think that he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. I won't take that away from him. I think that he is a phenomenal player, but he is beatable, and he's shown that if you get to him. You can rattle him and you can you can make him make mistakes. He makes I think he had I think Mahomes had the highest number of dropped interceptions last season. He makes a lot of dumb throws. It's just they don't get they don't get intercepted. If they were to get intercepted, there'd be a whole different conversation. You know, I, and so I think that he gets a lot of love, but he doesn't get a lot of the he doesn't get a lot of the uh, the flack that other quarterbacks would get. I think it's because he entered the league and had immediate success, right? Like you see that, you see that I just had this conversation about Luca in the NBA, how everybody loves him, everyone's praising him, but every great in basketball, the first three, four years, it's like, yo, build the statue, hang the jersey, he's the man. And then when you start losing, it's like, yo, this guy's a bum, he can't win without anyone, et cetera, et cetera. Mahomes did the different approach. He came in. Year one, sits the whole year. Year two, 50 touchdowns MVP. Year three, wins the Super Bowl. Year four, back to the Super Bowl. So for him, he had the success early. I I strongly disagree on the... I, I agree in the sense that, yeah, if you pressure him and you get after him, you can rattle him. That's fair because we saw that happen. But 
I don't think it's fair to to use the Super Bowl as the example because there were a lot of drops too. Like the face, the ball hit the face mask on Pringle. Right, I had Pringle as a you know as a degenerate gambler that I am. I had him to score a touchdown in the Super Bowl because uh, remember it was like the Marcus Robinson had gotten a haircut and he had COVID, so they weren't sure about his status. So I went to the sports book out in FanDuel and I put a bet in, and I was like, "Oh, you fuck, you asshole!" I was like, I "Hit your face mask, man!" Like it couldn't go to a better spot. But also, I think Mahomes had they did a next gen stat. He ran for 500 real yards in the Super Bowl. And the offensive line was just, yeah, Schwartz and, and and Fisher aren't all pros, but also you're asking for backups to step in, and backups are there for a reason, you know? It's like, yeah, step up, but there's a reason why you're a backup too. So that's the only pushback that I would give. No, and, and that's, I mean, that's astute, right? Like, that's that's an astute observation. I just think that, I don't know, I, I, I look at it through my silver and black glasses, and I'm like, look, this guy gets a ton of praise by even Raiders fans, like people saying, oh, this guy can do everything. But I think what they're what people don't see is the mistakes that he makes, because, like I said, he's got the interceptions get dropped. Um, He doesn't fumble a lot, which is, you know, which is good for him. But I think that a lot of things go unseen because of the success that he's had. I think that if he didn't have the type of success that he had, then you know, he wouldn't be as highly regarded. You know, I think that, you know, when I look at the league, Aaron Rodgers is a far better quarterback, in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady are far better quarterbacks. But Mahomes does things that you don't typically see. The no-look passes that Derek Carr and Matt Stafford and, and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers have been doing for years, they get highlighted, they get amplified. And it's it's a lot like, and I'm not going to try to go off on a tangent here, but it's a lot like LeBron James, where, you know, the media takes that one player that they love, that they want to go ahead and, and talk about and just highlight the hell out of. And he's become that LeBron James of of, of football. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, that's a look, you, you do bring up a good point, and it's a compelling point. I don't necessarily agree, but you know, if we agreed on everything, it wouldn't be. A- yeah, that, that, yeah, exactly. That'd just be just repetitive and boring shit. Okay, player to watch for me. I'm gonna get you pumped, Henry Ruggs. You gotta show something, especially when you look at this wide receiver class, right? You were the first one taken, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he the first first one taken? You saw C.D. Lamb show flashes. I think he's gonna have a monster year. Uh, Judy, they did a next gen stats on him. How he had he was like top five in the league in separation, and he was like in the top ten of just missed bad balls thrown his way. Like he's open, he has separation, but the quarterback just couldn't hit him. Right? Uh, Justin Jefferson, I was almost gonna forget him, and that dude just came out. And have you ever seen a better a better trade that worked out for both teams? Like. Bills Vikings trade. Bills get digs. They go to the AFC title game. Has a monster season. Josh Allen is an MVP candidate. And the Vikings immediately replace one of the best wide receivers in the league with Justin Jefferson. So Henry Ruggs, Burner, Speedster, the whole nine. Raiders just love speed, right? The Darius Hayward Bay, the infamous story. He saw 428 and <laughs> Uh, well, Al Davis had been Al Davis was chasing Cliff Branch ever since he let ever since Cliff retired. 
And Mark has been chasing Cliff Branch ever since Al Davis passed away. And so, um, look, I I was a C.D. Lamb guy. You know, Pops went to Oklahoma. I'm an Oklahoma fan. CD, I saw C.D. Lamb wearing the Blitnikoff jersey. Blitnikoff award winner. I'm like, dude, I want this guy to be a Raider. This guy would be the perfect fucking Raider. And then we get rugs. And I wasn't that high on rugs. And I've gotten, I've come around, obviously. Like, you know, I'm, I'm going to support whoever, whoever wears the silver and black. Whoever's, whoever's a Raider, I'm going to support them. I'm not one of those fans that just bashes every single move that we make. But I'm also not, you know, one of those fans that's completely blind and says, oh, no, I wanted this guy all along. But I think the rugs has the potential to be a really good receiver. You know, John Gruden wants us, he wants us Tyree kill. The guy that I have to be my, my breakout guy is Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards is a freaking beast. And he was actually my favorite pick of the draft. When we got Brian Edwards, I was fired up. We, I did a, I did a live show with Cody. And when we got Edwards, I was going nuts. I was going crazy because I mean, the size, the speed, the ability to go up and get the contested balls. He's what the Raiders need in the red zone. And the Raiders haven't had that since we lost Michael Crabtree. And to build that, if, if I've been seeing the videos of Carr and, and uh, Edwards working out in this offseason, you know, building that chemistry, putting things together. And I'm excited about Edwards. I think that Edwards is going to be a freaking stud. I think he's going to get a lot of touchdowns because he's going to get a lot of targets in the red zone. Darren Wallace, double teams, it's going to free up Edwards, it's going to free up Moreau. But I think that Brian Edwards is going to be that guy to watch. I'm, I'm fired up about him. Yeah, true comparisons to T.O. this summer, too. Yeah, T.O., Devontae Adams. I mean, look, and this is, I, talked to, I talked to somebody about this. People always get weird with comparisons, right? When you say, oh, he reminds me of T.O. or he reminds me of Devontae Adams. It's not saying he's as good as this player right now. It's saying the way that he plays, the way that he runs, the way that he catches the ball reminds me of this player. It's it's weird. Like Raider and Raider fans get really weird about this shit. Like we have this group of toxic toxic Raider fans that think that whenever you compare somebody to another player, well, they haven't done shit yet. Why why are we comparing them to this? Why are we doing that? You know, when you when Derek Carr says we went two and six in this building because you guys weren't here, oh, now you're blaming the fans for the loss. No, we're talking about a home field advantage. Anybody that understands football, anybody that understands a home field advantage knows that. When you have fans in the stands, they can wait. They can sway that. You know, you look at the 12s up in Seattle. You look at Arrowhead Stadium, and so those things all matter. But you know, to to kind of get back on get back on track, um, I think that you know, I think that he's going to be big. And I uh, we we had a fun little exchange on Twitter about Darren Waller. Um, I felt long and hard about it, and all my takes are like. I never, I never have hot takes, right? But this came off as one. But, man, I really think he's the best tight end in the league. When you take all things into consideration, like, first of all, he doesn't have Mahomes thrown to him. He doesn't have Andy Reid calling plays for him. And he doesn't have that offense to open shit up for him, too. And, look, we like Ruggs. We like Edwards. We like Renfro. There's no Tyreek Hill on that team. Say what you want. There was no Sammy Watkins. And then with everything as a whole, it's easier for Kelsey to get open in that offense as opposed to Waller getting double and triple covered. So for me, I think it's 
I think Waller is going to have – I mean, he had he's had back-to-back monster seasons. But I don't think saying that he's the best tight end in the league is as outrageous as make people make it seem. You get – what I've seen a lot of is people talking about Kittle. And Kittle's a top – in my opinion, he's, you know, top three. I, mean, I think anybody's opinion, he's top three. A lot of people have him at one. But I think the thing with Kittle is your best ability is availability. And Kittle's dealt with some injuries. You know, Kelsey's out there every week and he's he's out there balling. Uh, but Kelsey's also coming to, you know, that point in his career where he's not in his prime anymore. He's still one of the best tight ends. But I think that that, that torch is going to get passed. I can't sit here and say that Kittle is the best tight end in the league because he's not, he didn't play last season. And if we look at the numbers, Darren Waller put up numbers. Travis Kelsey put up numbers. I think the Waller can be a, a, a top tight end. I don't have him at number one right now. I have him at number two. I got Kelsey at one. I got him at two. And I got I got uh, Kittle at three. You know who else said that is on his heels for the top tight end? Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Game recognized game. Well, and if we look at, I mean, if we, if we go off of Madden ratings for, for the player, for player stats, right? Travis Kelsey is the 99 rated. He's, he's the one that, that's rated 99. So based off of Madden, Madden's telling you that Travis Kelsey's the best tight end in the league right now. So I don't really care what people on Twitter have to say. If they want to argue with me about, you know, Kittle or, or anything like that, they can. But, I mean, you know me. I'm, I'm always up for an argument. I love it. I love it, man. Hey, I appreciate your time. We went a lot longer than I thought we would, but that's what happens when we start talking about rivalries and you bring up the Eagles and you piss me off, but it's all good. I forgive you. Kenny, you're the man. I just remember my dad put my dad had an 80 yard reception against the Eagles in Super Bowl 15. So we put on we put on for you guys, man. We we did it for you. Damn, that's so ill, bro, that your pops played. I'd say I you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know that until this pod. Really? Yeah, I, I don't I don't lead. I don't generally lead with it. I, you know, I kind of let my content speak for itself. And then, you know, people put two and two together. But, you know, that's that's how I, that's just how I approach things. Oh, I mean, you're way better than I am because I want people to know. <laughs> yeah, I got people already saying that I live off my dad's fan. I'm like, dude, how? Like, just, it's not my fault that I'm named after him. I'm just trying. I'm just out here trying to create content, man. Well, you're crushing it, man. I, I come to you when it comes to Raider stuff. It's very fun, and even that whole division, that's why I had you on. The floor is yours. Tell people where they can find you, follow your stuff, shoot the shit. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter, at Kenny King underscore junior. Uh, you can find me on IG, and that's at the underscore Kenny King junior. I got a YouTube channel, and check out my podcast with Blue Wire, Real Talk with Kenny King. I'm talking Raiders football. I talk pop culture, talk a little food, some music, uh, social issues, anything that's going on. Um, but you know, uh, it's it's a good listen. Even if you're not a Raiders fan, you can listen to my pod and, and have a good time. Hey, last thing, you coming out to New York anytime soon, bro? Man, I hope so. Um, I plan on I'll be out in Philly next year for our annual uh, fraternity banquet. I may try to make a trip up to New York after that. So it's generally around September or October. Um, so I would love to. I, I would love to be out in New York. I haven't been to New York in like 14 years, so it's been a minute. I know some Raider bars. I've been to some Raider bars. That's the cool thing about New York City, man. They got a lot of team-centered bars. Yes. So we'll go over there. We'll figure it out. But I appreciate your time, man. And we'll uh, we'll chat soon. All right, no doubt.